Welcome to this episode of FEA Today. My name is Matt Costella, Director of the Fundamental Evangelistic Association, headquartered at the Grace Bible Church in Fresno, California. Our hope and prayer is that this brief program will encourage you in the things of the Lord and direct your attention to God's Word as you seek to make sense of the world in which you find yourself today. Any grace-oriented, Bible-believing, fundamental believer who is in touch with the state of today's religious climate knows that the professing church is morally and theologically shipwrecked. While I understand that this is certainly a bleak observation, it really is nonetheless true. Certain questions continually arise in the minds of believers who desire to be faithful to God and to sound doctrine. Why do so few Christians seem to care about truth and doctrinal purity? Why do feel-good contemporary churches seem to grow while separated, fundamental, grace-oriented churches seem to shrink? Is it too much to ask for a church to, to focus on expository preaching and, and to separate from compromised fellowships? These are the kind of questions that frequently enter the minds of many believers who really desire to uphold the entire Word of God as their foundation for Christian living and their instruction on how to possess a right relationship with God and grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yet the Bible, God's Word, provides answers to these questions. His Word tells us that heresy, compromise, and apostasy will flourish with time. In fact, he addresses this very issue in one New Testament book that's often overlooked or misunderstood by many in the church today. Yet this message is just what we need, and that's what I want to take the time to consider in this episode of FEA Today. The epistle of Jude is unique in that it's the only book in the New Testament canon that deals exclusively with apostasy in the church. Consider the chronological order of our New Testament. The four Gospels provide us with information regarding the life of Christ and his offer of the kingdom to Israel. The book of Acts provides the historical background for the beginning of the church following Christ's death, resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. Then we have Romans, which lays the foundation for our faith, descriptively detailing Christ's perfect work and our responsibility as men and women created in the image of God. Paul's other epistles lay down the doctrine that is to be embraced and defended by the church, and they touch upon the dangers of apostasy and false doctrine. Peter's epistles contain warnings about the false teachers who would soon enter the church. John's epistles then address the key to fellowship with God, and they refute the doctrines of the false teachers who were then deceiving the church. The epistle of Jude, however, was written for one purpose alone to warn of the apostates who had already entered the church and to tell the believers how to deal with those who rejected the doctrine of the apostles. The book of Jude is as timely today as it was in the first century. Peter had warned that false teachers were about to enter the church. We see that in 2 Peter chapter 2. And Jude declared that those false teachers were already within the church at the writing of his epistle. He states this in Jude verse 4 and in verse 16. If contention against error was urgently needed in the first century, certainly it's needed more than ever today, hundreds of years later. Yet, what do we find today? We find a lethargy that exists within professing Christendom, even within supposed evangelical fundamental churches and organizations. 
Somehow today's Christians often feel as though doctrine isn't that important. Theology really doesn't matter. Contending for the faith is passe. They feel that as long as individuals are coming to Christ or their lives are being changed for the better through lively contemporary churches or evangelical movements or music that appeals to the flesh, then Christ must be honored through all these means and to separate from these things would be too divisive or unloving. In other words, Christians today have completely sold out to the idea that the end justifies the means. Pragmatism reigns supreme. Obedience and sound doctrine are not important. Only visible results of changed lives are what really matters. Why do so many evangelical Christians, including fundamental grace-oriented believers, feel so comfortable around compromise and feel-good theology rather than sound doctrine? I want to propose several answers, four particularly answers to that question today. First, because they have either forgotten, disregarded, or never understood their biblical and historical roots. They don't remember that in the early part of the 20th century, godly men and women interpreted the Bible literally and recognized that apostasy and unbelief would pervade the church in the last days. These believers realized that in order to honor and glorify God, they had to separate from any churches or denominations or ministries that tolerated false doctrine, and they had to defend the doctrines of Scripture that were being attacked. In other words, they were required to take both an offensive and a defensive position. They needed to separate from error, and they needed to defend sound doctrine. Not surprisingly, many of today's evangelicals are doing neither. They take the scripture literally only as far as it meets their own perceived spiritual or emotional needs. They only define false doctrine as that which is taught by the cults, maybe Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, or others that are far removed from mainstream Christianity. Yet Jude reminded his readers that they were to remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were to remember their roots, and they were instructed to embrace and contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. To live only in the present, forgetting the importance of the apostles' doctrine, was to succumb to the apostates who were taking advantage of forgetful believers. A second reason is because many believers today have come to embrace a pragmatic brand of Christianity. If a church is too small or if it lacks youth or community outreach programs, then they feel it's not worthy of their support. On the other hand, if a nationally renowned men's movement or women's movement comes to town hosted by an array of notable preachers or authors who have the attention of thousands of people, this kind of meeting merits their attendance. Likewise, these kinds of Believers are often drawn to, to those churches that attractively and actively seek to attract the unsaved and are outwardly successful in their endeavors. These believers have often adopted a pragmatic theology that, despite its neglect of sound doctrine and defense of the faith, it appeals to their own idea of what is genuine Christianity. Again, Jude addresses this grievous error as well. He reminded the believers that the false teachers would speak great swelling words and be admired by men. The ideas, strategies, and programs of these teachers appealed to the early Christians and most likely attracted the crowds, but these men were apostates, and their doctrine was to be fought against by true believers. A third reason why so many evangelical Christians feel so comfortable around compromise and, and feel-good theology is because they've never received a solid theological foundation in their own churches. Their pastors and teachers are powerful motivational speakers but they're weak expositors of the word of God. The believers sitting in the pews are continually fed milk rather than meat. 
Their pastors and leaders are more concerned about buildings and numbers than with rightly dividing the word of truth to the congregation. Because these pastors place more emphasis on outward action for Christ rather than on genuinely knowing him and understanding his will through the careful, diligent study of God's word, the believers in the pews are often void of true conviction. Therefore, when error subtly begins to creep into the church, they're susceptible. They don't know how to identify error when they're confronted with it. In an indirect way, Jude addresses this dilemma as well. He exhorts the believers in the church to fight for the faith once delivered and to remember the apostles' doctrine. Obviously, the believers could not call to remembrance and fight for true doctrine unless they were taught it in the first place. Another reason that so many believers today are so comfortable around compromise and feel-good theology is because they feel as though the responsibility to separate, warn, and earnestly contend is delegated only to the, the church pastors and leaders. They leave it up to their pastor to decide whether or not a compromising evangelist or speaker should be invited to their church or to decide whether or not to allow member involvement in ecumenical or moral crusades. And if their pastor compromises in one such respect, they're comfortable with his decision. Again, Jude's letter addresses this kind of attitude. The epistle of Jude was written to all believers in the early church. It's a general epistle to all churches and all individuals. Every believer is personally held accountable for his attitude toward compromise and error. No Christian has divine permission to focus only on evangelism or only on church planning or only on a certain aspect of ministry. Every believer is commanded to earnestly contend for the faith. Finally, I think that so many today are comfortable around compromise and shallow theology because they're listening to compromising evangelicals who decry biblical fundamentalists, grace-oriented believers as those who are always looking for an issue to fight about. Many who refuse to identify themselves with strong separatist churches and organizations frequently level scathing attacks against fundamentalist believers for being too narrow, issue-oriented, unloving, or judgmental. And we have to admit, in one sense, some Christians lend credence to this unfair generalization. Regretfully, some who profess to be biblical fundamentalists are always looking for a fight. They display a belligerent attitude that assumes everyone else must be wrong. They would rather be isolationists than true biblical fundamentalists in the historical and the biblical sense. Yes, we must separate from error, but we must also rebuke the errant in an effort to see them restored to right fellowship. A spiritual attitude is essential. Clearly, this assertion that fundamentalists are always looking for issues to fight about is a gro gro gross misstatement of fact and overgeneralization. Biblical, grace-oriented, fundamental, Bible-believing Christians simply care about the truth. They obey God's word by contending against whatever attacks that truth. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ requires the believer not only to earnestly contend for the faith, but also to build himself up on his most holy faith, as Jude writes in verse 20. How can we do this? How can this be accomplished? First, by remembering, studying, and obeying the words which were spoken before of the apostles, Jude says in verse 17. The faith for which we are to contend and upon which we are to build is all the revealed truth of God given by the Holy Spirit to the writers of scripture. 
The book of Ephesians makes it clear that the church, that is all true believers from the day of Pentecost to the time of the rapture, the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. The apostle Peter, when he was addressing error about to enter the church, reminded the believers of their need to be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 2. Believers will not find reproof, rebuke, exhortation, and doctrine from visions and dreams and speaking in tongues or even motivational messages or lively music in the church. They will only find edification and instruction in the written word of God. The Bible is our foundation, comprised of the words of the holy prophets and apostles as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. You see, Jude's epistle is so timely for us today. It contains a wealth of theological content, important in a day when a lack of interest in sound theology exists. It emphasizes the imperative of militancy and defense of the truth, which necessitates conflict. This command from God is often completely ignored by professing Christendom. You see, today is a day of compromise, not consistency. Moderation, not militancy. However, the truth needs to be declared and the truth needs to be defended. Jude's epistle is more relevant to today's church than to any other period of church history for this simple reason. Satan has shifted his tactics of attack upon the apostles' doctrine. He deceives believers into accepting false doctrine and permitting harmful associations by mixing truth with error rather than blatantly attacking the Christian faith. Yet again, Jude provides the answer to apostasy in the church. Earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, number one, and number two, build up yourselves on your most holy faith. A balanced life and ministry are of utmost importance. Preach the gospel, teach the word, earnestly contend for the faith, and unite with those churches and ministries that carry out these imperatives in a spirit of love, humility, and holy resolve. I thank you so much for joining us for this episode of FEA Today. May the Lord bless you, and until next time, may you continue to earnestly contend for the faith.